I believe it's safe to say that most of us have experienced some type of struggle or hardship at some point in our life. I would even say that it's inevitable. If you have not faced any type of opposition or difficulty in this life, you're either not living or something is wrong. However, in most cases, we get stuck asking the big question, why? Why me? Why did this happen? Why did it have to be this way? Or maybe you've, you've asked, why did God allow it? Why didn't God do something? We ask why as if knowing why would actually bring us clarity or peace. Today, we are exploring an area of life that can potentially limit our growth if we do not overcome it. An area that puts a constraint on our greatness and keeps us from maximizing our giftedness. I want to help you answer the intrinsic question of why. I want to help you better understand how knowing why is not as important as you may think. We don't always get to know why. And in hindsight, we learn that it's the old scars that are supposed to tell a new story. Let's break it down. I hope you're ready today. So let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Jay Gallegos, and my goal is that we get one step closer and further along in becoming who God has intended us to be one step at a time so we can be effective and make an impact in every area of our life. A big thank you to everyone who has already subscribed. If you've rated anyone who has taken a moment to provide feedback, you are actually what keeps this going. Thank you also to those who have shared the podcast on social media. If this is of any value to you, I encourage you to continue sharing it and invite others to join the community. You should know that we drop a new episode bi-weekly in the form of a teaching the first Friday of every month. Then we'll spend some time with a special guest on the following episode. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your go-to platform wherever you consume content so you don't miss out on what's coming up next. Keep an eye out for bonus content every month that has an extra week. We'll be posting a bonus episode, so stay tuned for that. I'm excited for today's topic, so let's jump right into it. I would make the assumption that everyone enjoys a good ending to a story. There's nothing worse, in my opinion, than a movie with a terrible ending. I don't like movies with terrible endings. I need closure. There's nothing worse than a book with no closure, no resolution in the end. There's no solution to a problem. Maybe a TV series that ends with an open ending. Not my style. I need closure. I need to know what happened. I need to know how it got resolved. I need to know a solution at the end. Our stories on social media are actually unlimited. You can post as many as you want. You can show whatever it is that you want to show. You can show all of the highlights in your day. And in reality, all of our stories on social media are unlimited. They never end. You can post as many as you want. In a similar way, our life is like an unfinished story. And everyone's story is very different, very distinct. When we share about our life's experience, we can only communicate our experiences in past tense. When we talk about our past, when we talk about what we've gone through, what we've experienced, All of that is past tense because our story is still being written, especially if we're still talking about it, if we're sharing it, 
we're still alive. That's a good thing. We can talk of the future only hypothetically, and the past is already certain. It's already behind us. It's already happened. If we're telling the story, that means that it hasn't ended and it's still in progress. When we reflect on our past, we actually have the opportunity to make improvements in our life. We have the opportunity to make changes where we need to make changes. We have the opportunity to make better decisions. We have the opportunity to do things differently going forward in the future. If there was a mistake, maybe you can't undo it completely, but you can do things better from there on forward. We can make better decisions for our physical body. We can make better decisions spiritually, financially, in our relationships. We can make things better going forward. We learn in hindsight and we change going forward. When we think about the Bible and we look at Bible authors, these authors wrote stories. Bible authors, inspired by God, saw it important that later generations had access to these stories. So these were recorded, inspired by God. That is the living word of God. Through reflection of these past stories, it, would, it brings a sense of hope of what was to come in the future. In other words, we can draw hope from the past in order to move forward in the future. I'll say it again. We can draw hope from our past in order to move forward in the future. When we look at the Old Testament authors, they portray a sense of hope with stories and prophecies that were not yet fulfilled. They provide hope through incomplete stories of the future coming messianic king that would later come and fully restore God's people and a lost world. Now, in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 29, the people of Israel find themselves in captivity by the Babylonians. They were in exile and they were enslaved. However, the story did not end there. The story did not end in slavery or captivity. Through the stories that were recorded, God makes it clear that he is in charge of the end of that story. And if we see Jeremiah 29, 10, and 11, it says, This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I like the version of the King James, and I like how it says it this way. In verse 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Mm. To give you an expected end. As long as God is in control, your story is not finished. He's the one that's still writing the ending to our story. Your story does not end where you are today. It does not end where you find yourself today. As long as God is still in control of our life, he is going to write the ending. He is responsible for the ending, for our purpose, for our destiny. And that is what he wants us to do, to come to him, surrender and submit to his will. And he is in charge of writing our expected end. As long as God is in control, your story is not finished. Your story does not end where you are today. And I want to remind you, and I want to encourage you today, it does not have to end 
with failure. Your, your life, your story, your experience, it doesn't end with fear and in sickness. It doesn't end with bondage or regret, resentment. It doesn't end in pain. It doesn't have to end with hurt and doesn't have to end with us carrying any type of hatred. God is still writing the expected end to your story. God has the final say-so. But maybe you think along the lines of, well, what if I made too many mistakes? I messed up too many times. God can make miracles from our greatest mistakes. And actually, he makes a mosaic from all of the broken pieces. Keep in mind that the current narrative is not your normal. The current narrative is not your normal. The end of your story is written with his final word and not your circumstance. Allow me to share with you Psalms 40 verse 3. He says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to, a God, to our God. He put a new song in my mouth. The stories of the Bible were written also for later generations to know about, to draw hope from the past going into the future. And it's important that later generations get to hear your story. These were recorded with a purpose. In the book of Joshua, chapter 4, Joshua instructed the Israelites to take 12 stones from the Jordan River and stack them in the camp as a reminder for the later generations. And I'm not paraphrasing that portion. That's directly quoted from the Bible. The Bible says that it was a reminder for the later generations. The stones represented a story as a reminder of how God held the waters of the Jordan River so they could cross on dry ground. It was a reminder for the later generations. And it's important that the later generations get to hear your story. Psalms 102 verse 18 says this, This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. And if we look at this text carefully, this is actually a vision of the future generation. It's, it's spoken in future tense because it says they shall be written for the generation to come. It wasn't even written yet. It wasn't recorded yet. The generation that they're referring to wasn't even there yet. This shall be written for the generation to come. And then it says, and the people which shall be created... It lets us know that they weren't even there yet. They will be created and they will praise the Lord. So whenever they get to know what was recorded, they get to know what was shared. They get to know the stories of the previous generation. When they get here, they're going to see it and they're going to praise the Lord through it. Psalms 145 verse 4 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Who tells us about about all of the great things that happened from generations before us? All of our elders, our parents, our grandparents. If you still have great-grandparents, I love listening to stories that happened before I was even born from my grandparents. I love listening to elders that had stories to share of so many great things that happened in, in their childhood or maybe in their youthful years or things that they experienced and overcame and how God came through in so many different circumstances because one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. It's important that other generations get to hear and share the things that we experience and our walk with God. So what does that mean generationally? I'll put it to you plainly. The pain of yesterday is reason to praise today. And your pain today 
will be reason to praise tomorrow. So what does that mean? The previous generations that came before us, they went through so many different types of struggles. They sacrificed so many different things. And every story is different. But there was pain through those previous generations. So we get to be and experience a promise now today. And we get to praise in the promise today because of the pain that was endured by the previous generation. And our pain today, things that we go through, things that we endure, things that we remain faithful through, trusting in God will be a reason for the later generation to praise tomorrow. They're going to draw hope the same way we draw hope from our previous generation. And everyone has a story. Every family has a story. Every relationship has a story. Every person, they have something different to share. But here's the truth. Not every story is pretty and not every story is perfect. And actually, many of our stories have been handed down to us that are unfinished. We have the responsibility now to complete the story along and according to God's will. Unfinished stories of the past generations will continue through us. We have the responsibility of carrying them out and finishing strong. But here's the problem. In most cases, we rather not remember our past. In some cases, it's painful. So what do we do? We rather ignore it. We rather ignore it, walk away, pretend that it's not there, pretend that our experiences didn't happen. And we rather not remember our past. We rather not reflect on the hurt and the pain from the past. We're used to actually seeing cute and pretty filtered stories because of social media and how it's kind of groomed the way that we think. And sometimes subconsciously, we try to apply these methods to our mind. We try to live our life as if certain things didn't happen or as if certain things were never there. And actually, they have to be addressed. If we want to achieve some type of success or greatness in our life, there are certain things that we've pushed off to the side or, or maybe dug deep somewhere beneath a lot of other things that need to get addressed. Our life's experiences make up the story. It's very, very significant. And I know that our scars have a story. Every scar has a story. The stories of the past are sometimes painful. I understand this. More so if we have not healed. It is very, very different to remember a traumatic experience from the past. If we've already healed, we can actually talk about it. We can actually help someone through our experience, how we handled it, how we made it through, how we trusted in God, what really helped us through that. However, if we're still trying to cover up the bleeding and we still got gauze on our wounds and we still have our hands covering that wound because we're, we're trying to heal in the background and we're hiding it away. We're going to bleed all over the place when we're trying to share it with someone that's not going to be helpful to anyone. We've maybe experienced some type of trauma. Maybe we're walking around carrying open wounds. Maybe you've experienced something where somebody cut you deep. Maybe somebody let you down. Maybe you've been backstabbed or betrayed. And these are painful experiences and they always leave some type of scar. We rather know why. And that's one of the issues. Sometimes we rather know why. Why did it happen? Why did God allow it? Why now? Even the timing is something that we always question. Why now? This is the worst timing possible for something like this to happen. 
why did they walk out on me? Or maybe you've asked, why did God take them from this world? And why becomes one of our primary focuses? And if I keep going, I may even touch your scar and you'll remember. But it doesn't end there. And I want you to be encouraged today. It doesn't end there. Your story doesn't end with you asking why. God is still writing your story. There is an expected end. And you're not done just yet. Why is actually not as important as we think. Why is not as important as we think. Actually, it's better to ask who. I would rather suggest to ask who rather than why. It's actually a shift in perspective. Why or who? Why did this happen is actually a very valid question. And if that's where you are today, that's where you find yourself, I want you to know asking why is a valid question. A better question, however, is who is writing the ending to my story? It's better to know who is writing the ending to the story rather than why did it happen? Why? Because there is hope in asking who. There is hope and faith and strength and resolution and closure when you ask who is writing the end to my story. Now, growth is inevitable without pain. We must endure pain to see growth in our life. Next time you want to ask why, and the next time you're tempted and you're wondering why, remember that that is a very valid question and that's okay to be there. I've been there before. I've asked why plenty of times. But remind yourself, it's for my growth. It is for my growth. Human nature is to whine and complain when in any time we are in discomfort. That is just our natural human nature. To complain when we're in discomfort, we tend to whine or express our discomfort, how we're feeling, how we don't like that specific situation. And God is actually more interested in your growth than in your groaning. He will prune the branches of your life to make you grow. He will prune the branches of your life to make you grow. John 15, verse 1 and 2 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. I want you to know today that pruning is a necessary process for growth. God knows exactly where to cut you to make you grow. And there is a story that I've shared before. And if you've already heard this, then just bear with me. There are many that maybe have not heard it. So we want to help them also. There is a a time when I was about 10 or 11 years old and I would visit my dad in Florida. And my responsibility during the summer was make sure that I cut the yard, make sure front and back. It had to be on point. It had to be perfect, nice, pretty lines. It had to be done. The job had to get done no matter what. And this is Florida summer. This is Florida humidity. Temperature was, was hot. It was hot, but the job had to get done. So I go out there. I'm being obedient. Take the lawnmower. Take the lawn equipment. I do what I have to do. And as I'm cutting the yard, I remember specifically, and this is a story I'll never forget. I remember specifically running over something that just all of a sudden I heard a thumping sound. And all of a sudden, these, this root piece 
all of a sudden shot out from the side of the lawnmower. I had no idea what happened. Later, I come to find out, obviously, I ran something over. But then later, I find out that my dad had just recently planted some palm trees that he really wanted in front of his house, close off to the off to the street in front. It looked very, very nice. So it take it took process for these these palm trees to grow. So I accidentally ran one over. I had no idea what it was until later. So come to find out, I leave that summer. I come back the next summer and all of a sudden I start noticing that these palm trees over the last few months have been sprouting. They've been growing. And the four that were off to the side of this one that I ran over actually were growing just a little taller than that one. So that caught my eye right away. And I said, I, I think that's the one that I ran over, but I didn't tell anyone. I just remember that's the one that I ran over. So fast forward a few more years, I see these, these palm trees again. Now the next summer, next couple summers, they're even taller and taller. They get taller. But this one that I ran over never really caught up. The other ones were just perfectly even. They were planted at the same time. They were doing what they were supposed to. They were growing beautiful palm trees, but there's just one specific one. It always seemed to be behind in its growth. So what happened was I never told my dad about it. I never told him until fast forward a few, several more years, many years later, this happened when I was about 10 or 11. So fast forward to when I was about 30 years old, I was already married. I had my kids. I go back, visit, visit my dad. And I noticed that one day we get in into the truck and he's pulling out of the driveway and he just kind of stopped and he looks at this, at these palm trees and he's just curious looking. And I saw him pondering on this and, and, and looking and I, just, I remembered what happened. I, I remember that I still hadn't said anything about it. So I asked him, what's, what's the matter? And he said, I, I don't know. I, I just, I did everything that I could possibly do with these palm trees. And that one just never seemed to grow properly. It never seemed to grow evenly like the rest of them. So I couldn't take it anymore. I said, dad, I got to tell you something. A long, long time ago when I was 10 years old, I was cutting the grass and accidentally ran one over. And now, you know, that's what happened. That's why it's not growing at the same level and at the same rate and at the same height as the other ones, because I ran it over. So obviously it had been many, many years later. We laughed about it. But he thought about it, but it was already too late for him to do anything about it. So I got away with it and I was already a grown man. So nothing ever happened when my dad cut the yard. Everything was perfect. Everything was fine. Whenever he took care of the lawn, the lawn work, the lawn equipment, everything was perfectly fine. He knew exactly how to use this as a tool. He knew exactly where to cut for everything to maintain itself, to continue growing and for it to stay and do what it's supposed to do. Now. In his hands, it was a tool, and the same lawn equipment in my hands became a weapon. But the Bible tells us that our Father knows exactly where to cut so we can grow. The Bible tells us that the Father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, knows exactly where to cut to make us grow. He knows exactly what to do to prune us to continue producing something in our life. And I want you to remember this, and I want you to be encouraged by this also. Pruning is not a destination. 
Pruning is not a destination. Pruning is simply necessary for promotion. We can't quit in the middle of that process. And I know that sometimes we get frustrated, we're uncomfortable, we find ourselves in discomfort, maybe we find ourselves in some type of struggle, and that is that is a dark process to be in, and there's no gratification experienced through that process. However, we cannot quit in the middle of that process because eventually we will see the promise. When we find ourselves in this stage in the season of life, we tend to blame the devil, the devil and everyone around us when we experience some type of cutback. But when God is writing the story, he can turn any bad situation and use it for good. God allowed it to happen. God allowed it to happen. And it's for my good and it's for my growth. First Peter 5 verse 10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God allowed the situation in order to pull the best out of you. He allowed that situation to happen to make you grow. It was simply a pruning process. We have to change our question to a faith statement. Asking why is a question, a very important question. However, we have to change our why question to a faith statement. Instead of asking why did it happen, we have to make the bold statement, it has to happen. It was supposed to happen because it's for my growth. It was meant to happen. Later, we'll be grateful that it did happen because it's for my good and it's for my growth and it's for his glory. It had to happen. It must happen. What has happened to us had to happen. It was necessary that it happened. Jesus gives us the perfect example as he said he had to suffer. In other words, Jesus said it must happen. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priest, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. The Son of Man must suffer many things. He talked about having to suffer, being rejected, and being killed. But he also talked about resurrecting on the third day. He gave him also the promise. The Son of Man must suffer many things. Not just some things, not just one thing, not just one difficult experience. The Son of Man must suffer many things. He got rejected, he got canceled, and he was killed. However, he didn't stay dead. He resurrected on the third day. Luke chapter 22, verse 43 and 44, Jesus was praying and suffering in the garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion. And this portion is after he says, Father, you, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And the Bible says in verse 43 of Luke 22, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground 
And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Jesus showed us what to do when we are aching in agony, when we find ourselves in discomfort, when we find ourselves in the middle of the process, when we find ourselves struggling and fighting for faith, and we're, we're struggling to keep our head above water, we're aching in agony. In the middle of the painful circumstance, he showed us exactly what to do. The Bible says that being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. That means that the greater the pain, the greater the prayer. The greater the pain that we're experiencing, the greater the prayer needs to be. We consistently need to continue searching for God, searching for his will, searching for his presence. The greater the pain, the closer we need to be to him. The greater the pain, the greater the prayer needs to be. And the problem is that we often do the opposite. The greater the pain, the more we pull away from God. The greater the pain, the more we distance ourselves from God. The greater the pain, the greater the distance between us and the community of followers. And that, and that means the Jesus followers. The greater the pain, the greater the distance we put between us and the things of God. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That is sacrifice and that is submission. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That is sacrifice and that is submission. He understood it was necessary and it must happen. In Luke 22, 46 and 47, this shows us the purpose for the pain. This shows us exactly the purpose for the pain. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This was actually in future tense. The suffering had a purpose. He said, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the, on the third day. And he gave us also what the purpose for that suffering was and the purpose for the resurrection. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. That right there is exactly the purpose of what he came to do. This was future tense. The suffering had a purpose. The suffering had to happen to establish what was going to happen. He told them, this is what is going to happen to me, and this is what is going to happen for you. This is why. He was answering before them the why question. Before it ever even happened, he had already answered the why question. Because you can imagine, if Jesus died, and while he's in the tomb, how many times do you think that the disciples and the followers of Jesus asked themselves why? He told them, this is what is going to happen to me, and this is what is going to happen for you. It was the opportunity for repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and it will be preached in his name to all nations. He answered right there and then the why question before they even had the opportunity to ask it. The suffering that he went through was a setup. The suffering in your life is a setup. The gospel is a story of the pain endured because of love and passion to bring us the message of repentance and remission of sins. The suffering was necessary for Jesus. The suffering was necessary. It is for my good and God's glory. Sometimes the suffering in our life is necessary. There is a story to tell after the pain is over. 
Our story should be told for the sake of others, but first, we need to heal. There's a purpose for everything that we go through and everything that we experience. Our story should be told for the sake of others, but first, we need to heal. Healing is more important. We can't open up our wounds if we're still healing, if we're still bleeding all over the place. We can't help anyone if we're still sensitive to that experience. We need to heal. Healing is important. We can't talk about our pain until we fully heal. We can't help anyone with our story and show the scars of our experience until we fully heal the wounds. And here's the problem. We try to live our life as if nothing ever happened. We downplay the pain. Some go to church, they hoop and holler and go through all of the nuances and all of the motions and all of the, the motions that go along with just Christian living. And then they go back to hurting. Some pretend to live a full life looking for adventure and adrenaline just to numb the pain. And when they come back home, they come back to hurting. Many people stay stuck in hiding and it's difficult to overcome unless you're trusting in somebody, you're doing some type of therapy or you're being very intentional in your healing. Many get stuck in hiding and actually by nature, we're experts in hiding. We hide the pain and we hide the scars. The truth is, you can't heal if you're stuck in hiding. You can't heal if you're stuck in hiding. We often say, forgive and forget. However, some confuse forgiveness with forgetting. Just because you forgot, just because you forgot what happened, just because you forgot about the, the situation, just because you forgot what they did to you, or you tried to forget the situation, it doesn't mean that you forgave them. Just because you forgot doesn't mean you forgave them. And God wants to heal your heart so you don't carry that pride, so you don't carry resentment. It doesn't turn into hate and bitterness and it gets worse from there. God doesn't want you to carry any of that. You were not built to carry the weight of shame, the weight of guilt, the weight of pride, or even sin in your life. You were not built to carry this kind of weight. If you try to carry it, it will crush you. If we don't fully heal, we miss out on a greater life, and we can't experience true freedom. I can't express that enough. We have to fully heal. The, this is the reason Jesus had to suffer. He was wounded so we could be healed. He took on the pain. He took on the shame. He took on the beating. He took on the martyr, martyring so we could heal. He was wounded so we could heal properly. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Jesus talked to Peter on a personal level on the beach. After he had resurrected, he came back and he visited him a few times. Jesus came and found Peter along with the other disciples and they talked on the beach. After Peter had already denied him, Jesus healed Peter from the shame and the guilt of that denial. He didn't want Peter to stay with that. He had a purpose for his life. He wasn't meant for him to carry it around. Jesus healed Peter from the shame and the guilt of that denial. In order to see restoration, first we need rehabilitation. Before we see full restoration, we need rehabilitation. There is a reason why Jesus lingered and appeared to many after his resurrection. 
The disciples witnessed the scars. They had the opportunity to see him again, and they saw his scars. They saw and witnessed the scars of Jesus before they were ever filled with the Spirit. He healed them and then mended their heart before they were ever Spirit-filled. Trust him with your pain and your past, and I encourage you, to come out from hiding, see God's healing hand, and experience full restoration and a new life. You know, when you fully trust God, when you can say, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that it happened. You know you can trust Him when you don't need to know why it happened. You're making progress when you can say, I'm glad it happened. There was a time where I, was, I had my dad on the phone and we were talking and he was reflecting on the past and we were talking about a lot of things that we needed to talk about. And he kind of took me out of left field. I had no idea he was going there, but then he says, you know what? I'm sorry for, for not being there. And just so you know, a little bit of my background, I was too young to remember when my, my parents actually split. So talking now as, as a grown man, I have a better relationship with my, with my dad, with my father than when I was younger. So we're on the phone one day we're talking and he's sharing and he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for never being there. I'm sorry that I missed out on a lot of things. And we went on and on along those lines. And then I told him, you know what? And I caught him by surprise. And I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. I don't have anything against you. I have no hate or no, no resentment against you. And actually, I'm glad that it happened. And he kind of paused for a minute. And I could tell that he was thinking. I can tell that the wheels were spinning in his head. And I said, I'm glad that it happened. And I began to explain why. I couldn't just leave it like that. I began to explain your absence actually opened the door for God to be present. I got to know God in a different way. I got to know God in a way that maybe I wouldn't have before or any other way. It just so happened that we talked within days of each other. A few days after that same conversation happened again, but with my mother and she began talking about the same thing and I didn't promote it. I didn't try to, I didn't try to, to, to probe it in any kind of way. And she started saying, you know what? I'm sorry. You know, this and this happened when you, when you were younger and this happened. Um, and I, and then I, and I started saying the exact same thing with very, very safely. And, and with a lot of certainty, I said, you know what? I'm glad that it happened because my, my response was the same. If it had not been for that, maybe I wouldn't be here now. Maybe I wouldn't have the relationship with God that I do. Maybe I wouldn't have the opportunity to serve God the way that I do now and to impact so many different people. And we cleared the air and it was a great experience and is a testimony now for others. And I hope that you can draw hope from that. If it had not been for that experience, I would not be who I am. If it had not, if it was not for that story, then I would not be here today. I would not be here now. If that's what it took then, then I'm glad it happened. And you know you're healing properly when you can take those stands and say, you know what? If that's what it took for me to grow, if that's what it took for me to heal, if that's what it took for me to learn, then I'm glad it happened. Jesus said something very, very similar along these lines. I'm glad it happened. In John chapter 11, verse 14 and 15, this is where Jesus hears about the death of Lazarus. They come and inform Jesus that Lazarus was sick and he was about to die. So the Bible says, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for the sake and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. That's in the Bible. 
John 11, 14 through 15. He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. And the whole issue back then with this situation was that Jesus was taking too long. He didn't arrive whenever they expected him to arrive. He took longer than expected. And he finally shows up. But by the time that he shows up, everybody loses hope because Lazarus is already dead. And on top of that, to hear his response to say, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Paul made a similar statement in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And you have to read the context within that passage. You have to understand that Paul was in prison. Paul was in chains in, chains, in prison. So what's happening actually here, he's saying that while I'm here in prison, it didn't hold down the gospel. It actually, it helped others to be brave enough to step up and step forth into purpose and go out and preach the gospel with fervency, with fire in their heart, with boldness. While I'm in here, actually, it served to advance the gospel because now more people are standing up and sharing the truth. Actually, it served to advance the gospel. The things that happened to me have actually served to advance the gospel. Your story will later serve to further someone's faith. Your story, what you're going through or what you're healing through, what you've gone through, it is going to further someone's faith. They will believe when they hear the story of what God did in your life. When they see your scars, they will believe. Your story will bring peace that God is in control and hope that he is going to finish what God started. He's writing the expected ending to our story. We have to trust and we have to hope that God is still continuing writing the expected ending to our story. It doesn't end where we are today. God is in control of writing the ending. Sometimes the scars tell the story better than we do. The scars, in fact, do tell the story. Every scar on your body has a story. If you look down on your knees, maybe you remember when you fell off your bike or playing basketball. Maybe you ran into a, a brick wall. You fell off your skates, you fell off your skateboard. Every scar has a story. When you see it, you still remember, you remember the details of that story. You know exactly what happened. Let your scars tell the story. Jesus showed his scars to illustrate the greatest story ever told. The story of his scars is what brought us to salvation. Watch this. I'm going to show you John chapter 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, this is when he, after the resurrection, he comes back and he shows himself to his disciples. He comes back again. Whenever Thomas was there, now he's present. And the Bible says that, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. In that moment, Jesus showed his scars to his disciples. Thomas saw and touched his wounds. He had the opportunity to, to see firsthand and to touch his wounds. It was a resurrected Jesus with scars. The resurrected and transformed body of Jesus, and he still had scars. And I want you to think of that for just a moment, and I want to focus on that. 
Have you ever wondered why a resurrected Jesus still had scars on his body? If you had the power to resurrect, wouldn't you want to heal your body completely without any scars, without any blemish, without any history that it, that it, it even happened? But this was a resurrected Jesus, a transformed body. He was walking through walls and he presented himself. He had open wounds still. He wasn't bleeding anymore, but he had the scars in his hand and, and on his side. Have you ever wondered why a resurrected Jesus still had scars? He suffered the worst death anyone could possibly endure. Why would he still have the scars on his body? Shouldn't a resurrected Jesus be fully healed without any blemish or scars, any, any, any reminder of what actually happened? It was the scars that would tell the story. Maybe if it wasn't for the scars, maybe Thomas would have never believed. And we give Thomas a lot of, a lot of hassle and a lot of grief for maybe doubting in that moment. But his doubting actually brought him closer in proximity to his faith. Jesus didn't walk away because Thomas doubted. Jesus actually got closer. The difference is when we're asking the right questions. Jesus is not going to walk away from us when we're asking questions or even if we're doubting. But if our doubts bring us closer to our faith, then Jesus shows up. You have to be careful when your doubts actually pull you further away from Jesus. But if your doubts bring you to questions and your questions bring you to the proper answers and Jesus shows up, then your doubting brought you closer in proximity to your faith. Shouldn't a resurrected Jesus be fully healed without any blemishes or scars? In fact, Jesus had something else in mind. It was the scars that would tell the story. In chapter 20 of John, further down, verse 30 and 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. That's verse 30. Watch 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Many other things were written. Many other signs were performed. Many other things, many other miracles. That was exclusive to the people that got to see it. The only thing we know is that something happened. We don't know what that was. The Bible simply tells us that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that were not recorded in the book. However, it was important for us to remember through what was recorded of Jesus showing the scars to his disciples. This is the only passage where you're going to see this in detail. The other gospels don't show it this way. Only John has his revelation. In verse 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. This is after the conversation with Thomas. This is after the conversation with the disciples. These were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Shortly after Jesus had just showed his scars, to his followers, to Thomas, clearing up his doubts, increasing their faith, and allowing them to believe one more time. It was the scars that were going to tell the greatest story ever told. Jesus chose the scars to stay on his body, and it was recorded so the later generations got to know about it. It was recorded so you and I can know about it. It was recorded so we can never forget what actually had happened. He didn't want anyone to ever forget his scars that brought us healing. 
He didn't want anyone to ever take for granted what had happened on that day. He could have died on the whipping post, but like so many had died there, but he actually made it back to the cross. He made it and resurrected on the third day. And he wanted us to know that the scars would tell the story. Now, when you look at your own scars, the scars are the reminder that you didn't do it on your own. When I look at my scars, it's a reminder I didn't do this on my own. I didn't get here on my own. It was on God's strength. The devil wants to remind you of the pain you endured, and he wants you to focus on the circumstance. He wants you to, he wants you to focus on the situation, what actually was done to you, the pain that you endured. But God posted a new story for you. He is still writing the expected end. You might come across people with similar scars later in your life. When you tell them about your story, they might not even believe you because they see now. They don't see then. They just see now. They see you here and now. How is it possible that you, like this, in this form, in your transformed phase, in your new season, in your fruitful season, how is it that you endured that then? Because they see you now, living in freedom, living a full-blessed life. They might not believe your story until you show them your scars. Once you roll up your sleeves, And you begin to show them, this is what happened to me. Once you open up to them, your story, once you're ready and healed to talk about it, now you're going to help someone else because they might not believe your story until you show them the scars. They will believe and they will start believing and you will increase their faith when they can relate. My scars remind me of what happened and God used it all for good. It was a sad story. It was a treacherous story. It was a difficult thing to endure. However, God used it all for good. All I had was broken pieces, possibly whenever you came to him. Maybe you had broken pieces, but God picked up the pieces and he began to heal and to mend them and he made a beautiful mosaic from it. It's the same old scar, but it's a brand new story. It's the same old scar, but you have a brand new story. There is a story and an anecdote that I want to share with you about an orphan boy that was living with his grandmother. And one day, very sadly, all of a sudden, the house caught on fire. And the grandmother frantically tried to get up the stairs to rescue the boy. And unfortunately, she tragically died in the fire and in the smoke. She didn't make it all the way upstairs. And the only thing that you could hear was the boy crying out for help. He was crying out for help calling for somebody to come and save him, had no idea what to do until finally a man was brave enough and he ran over there and he climbed up an iron pipe that was on the side of their building. He went all the way up and granted, and you have to keep in mind, this building was on fire and this man climbed up this iron pipe, grabbed the boy, threw him over his neck. The boy tightened up to his neck, hanging on for dear life, frantically and scared. This man starts climbing down and he saved the boy. Several weeks later, there was a public hearing to determine who's going to take custody of this little boy. There was valiant and brave people that showed up. There was a farmer, a teacher, and a wealthy citizen that all honorably stood up and said, I'm willing to take custody and raise this child. As they talked and talked and discussed and maybe talked about all of the fine details that were important to talk about to make this happen. 
The child's eyes remained focused on the floor. He never looked up at any of them. He had no relation to any of them. He had no connection to any of them. All of a sudden, a stranger walked through the door and he slowly took his hands out of his pocket, very slowly. He took his hands out of his pocket and he showed it to them. And he revealed scars on his hands to everybody that was there at this hearing. Everybody gasped. Everybody stopped. All of the talking and the chattering stopped. And all of a sudden, the only one that cried out was the boy because he recognized who had saved him. When he saw the scars on his hands, he recognized who saved him. This was a man who had saved his life. The boy knew right away from looking at his hands and whose hands had been burned when he climbed down the hot pipe on the side of this building. And with a sudden leap, the boy ran to him and he, and he hung onto his neck. He hung onto his neck for dear life and he didn't want to let go. Everybody else that was in this hearing silently just respectively walked away, leaving the boy and his rescuer alone. It was the marred hands, the burned hands, the hands that had the scars from saving this boy's life that had settled the issue. And there was no question after that. It wasn't until this man took his hands out and he showed him the scars when he took this boy out of his burning building that had settled the issue. The scars told the story of love, passion, and sacrifice. That love was powerful and bonding. It brought them even closer together, even closer than words could describe. And I want you to remember this. God turned your story into a new song. It's time to look up. You have a new story. It doesn't end where you are. Look up. You have a new story. The story of his scars is what brought us salvation. It was the story of Jesus' scars that brought us salvation. The resurrection opened the door for repentance and reconciliation. When you're tempted again to ask why, remember, it's better to ask who. Who's writing the end of your story? Who is in control of your story? Who is the author of life? Who is the one that gives you faith and hope and salvation? When you want to ask why, first remember who. If you need healing, get healed first. But don't hide your scars. Once you're healed, don't hide your scars because they will build someone's faith and they will build someone's hope. Your old scars will tell a new story. And that's the truth. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you found this helpful in some way, let us know about it. I would love to connect with you on social media. In the description below, you will find the links. You can also visit the blog page where you can find more helpful content like this at inspired2inspired.org. That's inspired, the number two, inspired.org. And you will be able to find the links also in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. I encourage you to help us reach others by rating, leave a review or share it on social media. And that would mean so much to me. And I'll be very, very appreciative of that. In the meantime, continue moving forward in the direction God is leading you. Continue taking steps closer and becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life. God bless. And we'll see you on the next one.